It's that crown of the month with Nicola Graham and Christiana Brockbank. In this podcast, we'll be deep diving into a story on a subject that's pretty bloody taboo, happens on the regular, and generally affects women way more than men. Yep, it's true crime. feel really weird about talking to other people about true crime if you don't know that someone likes it it's a weird thing to bring up my my partner when we're talking about um like introducing i don't know like meeting new people and they'll be like oh what like what are you into or like what books are you into and he's like oh she's into like serial killers i'm like whoa <laughs> not into serial killers i just find them fascinating and really interested i thought god just bandying that about that i'm like into serial killers i know like other other people shouldn't give like shouldn't give that away about you you should be the person to say it like it it happens all the time where people like oh she likes serial killers like she's into nazis as i know you are yeah but again chris not into them (laughs) just find them fascinating Uh, where did your, um, I was going to say love of true crime. Oh, no, it is a love of true crime, just not a love of serial killers. Where did your love of true crime come from? It's like an intrigue, and I didn't always feel it because I've been scared about this sort of thing for quite a while. Like, I remember watching Unsolved Mysteries, or, like, I wasn't supposed to be watching Unsolved Mysteries, but it was, like, on and then being, like, terrified about it, and then it stopped me from wanting to go to the loo on my own because I was scared that, like, a serial killer was going to come through the bathroom window or something. Yeah, I mean, is it... Cause it Women are most likely, I think, to like true crime. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's some statistics that say that. So is it that thing of almost reading something that potentially is more likely to happen to us than men? Yeah. It's almost that sort of weird, I don't know, like morbid fascination. fascination. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's um, it's a self, it's like a protection thing, isn't it? Like as well, just in case someone does try something on me, I'll know from those cases what to do in that situation. Like the survival stories when people like do ridiculous things that actually manage to get them out of those sorts of horrible scenarios what makes you like it so much what particularly about nazis do you love nicola <laughs> their fashion yeah. who was it that did that hugo boss uh. yeah he designed the suits i just think it's again that period of a period of time where humans were allowed to do like the worst atrocities to other humans it's again that sort of how and and that was in a war where people sort of eventually became aware of it and there was still no sort of action but yeah it's again reading those stories and this then sort of when you go into nazis and then the ones that did escape then they went off to like argentina and all stuff like that and it's then that sort of ooh mystery sort of element to it i mean i've definitely yeah definitely i've definitely got a fascination with nazis definitely got a fascination with serial killers and i think a lot of it is to do they're actually like unbelievable stories that's the main thing like it's so hard to believe that people get away with this stuff i mean i think the first one that i can remember because like obviously this is not something that my parents laid out in front of me you know i I wonder if everyone's got a sort of similar story of being quite young and being exposed maybe accidentally (laughs) to a story (laughs) just a story not exposed to anything else Um, because i remember i mean i think the first one i remember was dunblane i think 9-11 was like a huge turning point like after it happened, there were so many documentaries about all the horrific stuff that came out and it was just like constant. So it was like this, you couldn't look away, basically. Yeah. Crazy. 
Anyway, <laughs> on that note, should we say what we're going to talk about? Yeah. This was your suggestion. I'm going to blame it on you. <laughs> this was my suggestion. I want to say that we were trying to do a story that was quite light. And by light, I mean that no one was murdered. <laughs> but there is quite a lot of rape in it, so... Quite a lot of rape. Quite, quite heavy as well. Like, there's a lot of sort of political things that came afterwards yeah. or like movements and things and stuff like that to do with it. So it's quite sort of inspiring in that sense. Yeah. It was portrayed as a really light story. That was a thing in in the media everybody laughed about it and yeah. most people didn't really acknowledge what it meant um the gravity of the situation for the female party in that particular situation it was all about like sensationalism anyway we should probably say what it is oh crikey i guess this is the mad crazy tale of lorena and john wayne bobbitt so should we start off um maybe talking about the two main people involved So we've got Lorena, who was born in Ecuador in 1969, but raised in Venezuela. She moved to the US in 1987. Yeah, I was born. Just a fact there for everyone. On a student visa, she enrolled at North Virginia Community College and she worked as a manicurist at a salon uh, owned by Yana Bisuti. Bisuti? That becomes, I guess, a little bit important because she does feature in the sort of main story. And a a crazy 80s hair and shoulder pads. (laughs) So at this time, John was a lance corporal in the Marines. Um, they met at a dance hall close to Quantico. Was that a show? Quantico. No, it's the it's the thing in like it's the isn't it the FBI school that's in um, Silence of the Lambs? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I should know that. I love love FBI. I read about FBI. Um, yeah, so they had uh, their bases near Quantico. So they met at a dance. They wed on June the eighteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Lorena was 20 and John was 22. That is ridiculous. That is so young. I know like it was different times, but not that different. Like that is still quite young yeah. to be getting married. It's hard because as women, I know, well, I'm not, can't speak for you, but as a woman, I sort of relate more to Lorena's point of view. Oh, massively. Yeah, especially with what we're going to talk about, all the things from John's perspective supports her story more but she said that the marriage went to shit pretty quickly she stated that he was physically sexually and emotionally violent from the start and threatened to have her deported yeah it's weird that there's this like implication from him all the time that she was she married him just to stay in the country and i really don't believe that like she seemed like she wanted an american dream but not it wasn't just like she just married anyone like he was you know, handsome. He was like a marine. I think she yeah. says that, doesn't she? Like, oh, he had big mm. blue eyes and he was yeah. handsome, and he fo- he pr- he he was a soldier, so yeah. he protected people. I guess when you're twenty, that's the kind of naive view you have. And if you're away from your family as well, like you don't have any support structure there. So I know she had some family. I know, like that's crazy, isn't it? That she moved from her home country all the way to the US on her own, and she just got on with it because she wanted the American dream. What a love. Do you know what I feel quite weird about, like, this um, particular story is that it's sort of always introduced as, like, Lorena's name always comes first and it implies that she is the more guilty party in in the scenario. Like, I know that's probably mm. giving away stuff about what happens, but that it is quite an equal story and it's just, yeah, weird that... Yeah, I mean, I think once everyone's got to the end of this, you'll just be a bit like, oh, God, it's like almost the both... To, not both to blame, but both... The, it's both as ridiculous as each other, it seems. Oh, yeah, like... For me, he's... I don't know. I just... Oh, the stuff. <laughs> John does does say that she was a good wife a lot of the time. <sighs> nice. What a review. But she was obsessed with having her American dream. She said it all the time. Her boss had a big house, a cabin cruiser, a Mercedes. 
Lorena wanted those things. She just wanted too much, too fast. That's not my words. That's John. John Wayne. John Wayne Bobbitt. (laughs) So he was discharged from the Marines in 1991. Um, So he was without steady employment. So Lorena became the main breadwinner. To the point that there was an article that I was reading and she embezzled £7,000 from her boss, who actually ends up being really supportive, I think, from what I've read. Yeah, she basically stands by her through the whole trial and is like her spokesperson. Yeah, putting it out there, if anyone embezzles 7000 from me, I ain't going to do that. I know, did she not know? <laughs> did she only realise when she like saw the documentaries and was like, read the articles? Yeah, I don't know. And Lorena says like, oh, I embezzled it because I was the main breadwinner and I was basically put in that position because we didn't have enough money because he wasn't working. I mean, they, they do sort of, a lot of the time, agree. They were both fighting. Apparently they both were repeated calling 911 I mean toxic relationship yeah, yeah. I would be mortified Cons, can you imagine here again yeah it was the neighbours as well sometimes that would phone yeah and apparently they were constantly breaking up getting back together breaking up again getting back together on the night the crime occurred they were apparently on a break do we want to get into the crime yeah on the 23rd of June 1993 in Manassas, Virginia, John Wayne, he came home drunk according to Lorena, even though he later said that he just just had a few drinks, like a couple of beers and whatever. Oh, and apparently a couple of like light beers as well. He was like, oh, there's hardly any alcohol in them. Wasn't there something about like a certain type of shot? He was like, we had a couple of these shots, but they're just really like, they're nothing. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. I mean, guys, if you watch any interview with John Wayne, oh, he's just insipid, isn't he? He's a tragic figure, I think. So basically, Lorena accused him of raping her. Oh, can I just say, a man, his friend came back with him. I know, yeah, he was like staying at their house. Yeah, so Robert Johnson came back with them and then apparently, in an interview I read, retired to the living room, (laughs) as one does. Nice. He uh, apparently uh, raped Lorena. I don't mean to say that, apparently. It makes it sound like I don't believe her because I absolutely do believe her, what she said about that because they weren't together at that time. Mm. And to my knowledge, she hadn't been out. She was just at home sleeping and he came in drunk. You wouldn't, when you're in a deep sleep, you're not like, oh, come on, let's. You're like, no thanks, <laughs> with like a drunk person. Oh, yeah. No, I've literally got eye mask on, earbuds in. I'm like, if anyone touched me, God help them. As well, if they are on a break, yeah. like both of them said that, and I actually think it was the in the article I read, it was it was John that said this was one of the times where they were on a break, so. Yeah, because there's a thing about how what happens is a result of the fact that he she was angry about the divorce. Yeah. So they were obviously on a break because they knew that they were getting divorced. If, you, if your partner said to you, we're getting divorced, the last thing I'd be doing is, should we have sex? Yeah, one last time. <laughs> yeah. For the memories. Ridiculous. <laughs> the outcome of this is that Lorena, she is quite upset obviously by this incident she this is her account that she goes to the kitchen to get some water and spots a eight inch carving knife on the kitchen counter she goes back to the bedroom pulls back the sheets and slices off his penis so apparently um, <laughs> he thought that this is what he said again you know take it with pinch salt oh that would hurt <laughs> He said, when I felt her messing with my boxers, I thought she was giving me a handjob. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I was like, you are oh. grotesque. He's like, oh, I thought she was coming back for round two. Like, come on. Yeah, jog on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> 
So one of the main things that I like looked at was the documentary on Amazon Prime. It's just called Lorena. It's really good. Um, and you do see quite graphic photos. Oh. Have you seen the photos? I saw the photo. So, I mean, be wary of anything you Google. Oh, yeah. Because I, as I'll speak later, Google something that was quite traumatic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wanted to know, because there's not actually much out there, because I'm one of those true crime fans fan is that right word that likes not likes oh my god i've got to be really careful that will if there's a it says like forensic pictures i will click on it i'm a disturbed individual and then i'll afterwards i'll be like oh i'm traumatized and i'll be like laying in bed i'll be like oh i can't sleep so i wanted to know because mm. someone says oh this guy's dick was cut off i was like how much because i was like was it from like the base or you know so i'll they, they, they actually at the trial hold a picture up of the bit that's been cut off about two inches it's definitely the head guys <laughs> all the guys listening it's definitely the head yeah 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 it's just the tip and then an inch in the documentary you do see like just the balls on their own as well oh i don't think i've seen that bit so i'm i'm not the type of person i i avoid at all costs like looking at those <laughs> graphic photos when it's like bodies and stuff because i just i don't know it, I, it, I can't get that stuff out of my head and i don't want it in there but with this it's like you're watching a documentary and it's one of those things that like oh I, there's no one and it just pops up on the screen but yeah they show you the the balls and then it's like a bit of the stump Jeez. is that the right word i mean he's got to be relieved that it was a sharp knife yeah because i don't have sharp knives we have a live sharpener but i'm not sure that i keep on top of it i'd have been hacking away don't bear thinking about she's lucky i mean he's lucky sorry yeah there's this thing as well about how in the documentary i don't know if you came across this but uh, it's just so funny. They didn't know where the penis was at first. Um, and there's this rumor. So on the radio control that they're, they're trying to avoid like actually specifically saying that the penis has been cut off because they don't want the media to hear it and then get involved because it's obviously like going to kick off. But then someone's like, we think that maybe she swallowed it. And it's like, it's not like a handcuff key and she's a magician. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you imagine waiting for that to come out? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, it's like, it is heinous, this. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I couldn't find anything. I mean, I have researched. I'm sure if I'd have found, like, some sort of, I don't know, recordings from the um, police interview. But there's not really much about what actually happens from when he cuts his, di- cuts his dick off to then the police getting involved like there's no like i don't know if he w- i assume he woke up immediately and then sort of clutched at his groin but there's you know i don't if someone did that to me don't have a penis but i'm imagining i don't know if there'd be some sort of like there's no sort of it just says that lorena sort of runs out and then gets in a car but runs out and grabs a hundred dollars first oh i didn't know that yeah girl after my own heart grabs hundred dollars <laughs> and this is definitely a girl after my own heart his nintendo game boy oh so in her hands clutched in her hands as she runs out i mean as far as i'm aware at this point he's holding his groin trying to apply pressure um and i'm i believe discussing with his friend like bring the place um bring the hospital take me to hospital because mm. apparently he was there within 10 minutes so that's pretty speedy. Yeah, and that's with his friend went to brush his teeth. Did you hear about that? Yeah. <laughs> the friend that's staying with him is like, he tells him, like, we've got to go to the hospital. Something bad Do you think he's shocked? <laughs> yeah. And his friend's like, I'll brush my teeth. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. But like, so he's like, okay, I'm just going to go and brush my teeth. Um, and obviously he's like, leave the teeth. Let's get to oh A&E. Oh, God. Oh, you know. 
But yeah. I mean, that sort of say it's quite telling that they're the kind of people he hangs around with. Who's first? I hope Christiana, if my nipple got cut off oh. and you were, I was like, take to hospital, you would be like, wait, let me just clean this pan or something. Might be a doctor. Um, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don't want to have stinky breath. <laughs> well, yeah, so I also thought if he was so drunk, I mean, obviously it's diff- he sort of said he wasn't drunk at all. She said he was, he came home drunk. Would that be an actual numbing agent? Yeah, well, I think that he didn't really come round as well for like a, a, a minute or two, and he, and then he said like I I can't fall asleep because if I do, I'm basically going to bleed out. So Ooh. I think that he if he wasn't drunk, then he would it would have been in, in a lot more pain. Yeah, should be thankful that he was that drunk. Yeah, and only from two beers. Wow, amazing. I know. Yeah, only from some really <laughs> shitty shots. Um, so yeah, so Lorena's run out, run out the house, hundred dollars in cash. Um, John's Nintendo and his dick in a hand. Sounds like a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Andrew. Yeah, so don't forget that. She didn't just leave, she didn't just cut it off and leave it, leave it there. She ran off with it. So she does go on to say that she doesn't really remember anything. She she was suffering from PTSD from being raped. She doesn't really remember she remembers seeing the knife, she doesn't remember pulling his pants back, she doesn't remember doing any of that. So she's run out with a Nintendo hundred dollars and a penis. I mean perfect. Yeah. Perfect picnic. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets in a gets in the car yeah she's in a car and she's driving she i think she doesn't really know where to go and she just starts driving and she i think she explains it that like she's holding the penis in her hand and because it's difficult to drive with the penis she just throws it out the window <laughs> yeah I've, I've actually got a quote go on she says i tried to drive the car obviously but i had this thing in my hand so i couldn't drive so i got rid of it <laughs> Like Lorena, put the Game Boy down. <laughs> Just concentrate on the drive. I don't know. I think they were pretty cool at that time, Game Boys. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't hand over my Nintendo DS. Yeah, but it was night time though, so you wouldn't be able to play it because you, you couldn't play no. it in the dark because it had like a green crappy screen. See, I do think that that's, that's what lends itself to the fact that she was suffering from PTSD because oh, no yeah. one in the right mind would run off with a severed penis and then hold on to it. Ugh. Just the thought of it makes me feel sick. Question, where would you throw a penis? I think I'd probably swallow it like this. <laughs> you do the key trick. I'd joke it. <laughs> I was thinking, living in London, I'd have to do it like off an open top bus so we don't have a car. Or a tube. Oh, that that would never get found no. if you put, put it through, you know, like the little, the windows that in between carriages and it just like whew, straight out the window. A little mouse runs off with yeah. it, never to be seen again. Perfect. So she throws it, doesn't really, she knows she's thrown it, but she shouldn't give a shit, and then goes to her boss's house. So Yana Basuti's house. From then on, what I believe is that she's hammering on the door, isn't she? And saying, let me in, let me in. Because this, by the way, everyone, this didn't happen at like 11 o'clock at night. This was between half three and half four in the morning. So it's, everyone's asleep. Isn't there something about as well that she goes to her work before then, just before then? Because that's where she she gets rid of the knife as well. Yeah. So this all like, things like this add towards sort of his defense saying like, oh, it was premeditated. She knew what she Mm. was doing. But I mean, I think... Yeah, you wouldn't put a knife just in a bin, would you? Like You throw it where the penis was. rubbish place. And then refuse all knowledge of where you'd lobbed it out the window. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just swallow the knife as well. Yeah. If you're going to swallow a penis, you might as well. Yep. That's your go-to, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. (laughs) Swallow anything. Any evidence, swallow it. Did you see the picture of the knife when they find it, where it is? It's on top of a KFC box. Yeah. And you're like... KFC again. Yeah. They probably place that there. There's product, product placement. Product placement. 
It's like wherever there's a terrible murder, the colonel is right there. <laughs> he's watching. So she throws it out. He goes on his, he's on his way to hospital. And then, so we've got sort of like two time, two like, oh, what's it called? Like we've got Lorena, what Lorena's up to. So yeah, two timelines. What he's up to, what Lorena's up to. So Lorena disposed of the knife, gone to her boss's house, hammered on the door. Boss's husband comes down. What's going on? Where's Yana? And then Yana comes down. I chopped his dick off. I don't know if she said that. I think she said I've chopped his, I've chopped his penis off. So Yana's like, oh, whoa, this is heavy for this time in the morning. <laughs> That'll wake you up. I believe she then, she then actually, the actually, she actually sort of says to her, you need to ring the police. So she does, you know, and that's the thing, Lorena doesn't go on the run or anything like that. Well, apart from the little just drive she's done now. But everyone would be in that state of mind if you just got penis off. Once Lorena got back to, the, she got, she went to the police station and she confessed about everything that she'd done. She actually told them that, well, she didn't know exactly where she'd done it, but she sort of described where she sort of, the direction she'd driven in. Um, and so basically they sent out policemen to scour the area and try and find the penis. Can you imagine being woken up? Like, oh, Chris, so some emergencies come in, get dressed and get a torch, go out and look for a knob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there's lots of fields as well. Like, I bet it's one of those tasks, like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Like, lit- literally. <laughs> But they did find it, like, <laughs> amazingly. They did find it, but what turned my stomach a bit was they said that they found it in a gravel-strewn field. Oh, no. I mean, could you even... Uh, the grit. grit. That's what I mean. Washing <laughs> off. I hate anything like yeah. that. Like when you've got sandy feet from the beach yeah, or something, yeah. you've got to wash your feet off or anything. It's like dropping a lolly on the ground or something and it's covered. Ugh. I mean, I think they would have given it a rinse before they take, took it back. <laughs> you would hope. I think apparently they, they did. They washed it in saline and yeah. then scurried. But no one wanted to touch it. Everyone was really like, oh no. Now, I don't know if I'd be shocked. Would you be okay with picking it up? Yeah, I reckon I could do it. Yeah, actually, I think, yeah. If I had gloves on. Not if I had like a maggot on it or something. <laughs> Yeah, if it was a dead body, I wouldn't want to touch it. And if it was like an arm, I wouldn't want to touch it. But I don't know why. Like, I feel like a penis would be okay to just pick up. Yeah, it's like a mushroom. It did look, look a bit like a mushroom. It did look a bit like a mushroom. Check the picture out if you can. Um, or don't. <laughs> but yeah, so they did find it. Did find it. And then they popped it in a box. Because they were by the Seven Eleven. Yeah. So that's like a spa. A spa for UK people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They put it in, in a hot dog container, which everyone finds absolutely hilarious. Like everywhere, it's like, can you believe it? It was a hot dog container of all things. And it was called, like the brand was called Big Bite. Oh. John Wayne at this point is on his way to hospital with his friend, with stinky breath. <laughs> yeah, just to add insult to injury. <laughs> so he gets to hospital and then they think, the general surgeon that greets him thinks he's cut his wrist, like slashed his wrist. So he says like, show me, show me your wrist. And he's like, shows it him. And he's like, where's the cut? And then he obviously removes, I don't know, I guess all the towels and padding that he's put there. And the guy's like, oh my gosh. And then they ring the urologist. And they, I think once they're a urologist, Dr. Jim Sen gets there. He rings plastic surgeon because of, it's like microvascular because it's obviously so not so tiny like his penis is tiny I don't know but because the actual intricacies of putting it back together so like we, we need a neurologist there the urologist Jim Sam, said that when he heard what had happened he was expecting apparently there's this surgery where once if that happens you can make the because obviously penis is used for sexual reasons but also to wee out of so he was expecting just to make it into essentially a vagina not a vagina what is it essentially well a, it was just like the urethra yeah so, so 
essentially sort of do the tubing so that he would have to sit down and wee like a like a woman. Have you seen like um, an interview with him talking about this? Because he talks about this on the documentary, the urologist, and he's like at, like grinning his head off. Like if they can't find it, then we'll have to do this procedure. Yeah. He was like, I thought it would just be a simple turning. Should we? Like, so he'd have to sit on the toilet and wheel like yeah. a woman. Yeah, and it's like he's sort of mocking the way, oh, like, you women have to sit down. Like, he's going to have to do that for the rest of his life. And like, what? Like, no, it's good. It's fine. I actually quite like sitting down whenever we... Yeah. Oh, I love it. Good time to think. He said as well that apparently this happened a lot. I think this was the article, like an article, not the documentary. But he said that in the 70s in Thailand, loads of women, because they were, I don't know, pissed off at the husband, cut off their husband's penises... And then in Thailand during the 70s, obviously medical equipment wasn't very good. So the general surgeon, so just a standard surgeon, would just put them on. But most of the reattachment weren't very successful because they didn't have the microvascular, you know, this all this intricate way of putting them on. And they actually just rotted off. Oh. So he said that he knew about this, but he said some of the wives, this is what Lorena should have done, some of the wives used to throw the, the penises under the houses and duct to eat them and run off. Wow. So, you know. A duck with a dick in its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Just running down the street. Yeah. <laughs> Doug. Sounds like a superhero. <laughs> it's quite the image. Yeah, I'm sure we've done worse to ducks. Oh, yeah. Poor ducks. Duck tongue. <laughs> don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Feels like there's something in it. <laughs> I also think that he was very happy, the urologist, Jim said, when he was talking, because I think he... I don't think he likes John Wayne. Does anyone like John Wayne? <laughs> I don't think anyone likes John Wayne. But he never paid. He never paid for his surgery. He... um was declared bankrupt like a few like let's well, say a year after so he never ended up paying yeah and it was amazing that he actually got full function back yeah so it took nine and a half hours the surgery and everyone was like oh this is like a miracle feat of i was gonna say engineering well kind I mean, of microvascular surgery <laughs> kind of engineering but apparently i found this today when john woke up the surgeon said the operation was a success but your penis could still turn black and fall off Imagine being awoken to that. <laughs> At least he was prepared. So fast forward to the trial. Because of the accusation of rape, um, he actually, John Wayne goes to trial first in November 1993. But he wasn't charged with rape. He was just charged with marital sexual assault because it, marital rape didn't exist at that time, which is like crazy, like 93, and it, it didn't exist in some states. It sort of did, but um, according to the documentary, to prove it, you had to be already properly separated or to be a victim of like physical injury. So they go to this trial and he basically gets found not guilty. Guilty. But the, the thing is about that trial is that they weren't allowed to talk about any of the prior incidents um, leading up to the crime that he's been accused of. Yeah, they could only talk about like five days before. So you find like later in the trial, like in the next trial, there's so much like testimony that happens from witnesses and like neighbours that is horrific and that would have probably changed the outcome of this trial but because they can it was like it would prejudice the case apparently which just seems crazy because it's it's like pretty compelling evidence isn't it that he, they were in a very abusive relationship yeah like n numerous witnesses 
attested to seeing bruises all over her arms and necks, neck and things. So there was so much that supported her story. Yeah, and hadn't she tried to get a restraining order against him as well? Like, there's something mm. about that as well that um, she actually applied and the police, they said to come back and then it happened. But the, this whole incident happened straight after that. Mm. I mean, I think as well, them both calling 911 repeatedly, that surely shows that this was not a happy marriage. This was a violent marriage. This was a weather, I mean, you know, because apparently he called 911 as well. So they would have these records. They would know that there's this history for this couple of constant fighting, you know, physically fighting and arguing and um, physical abuse. So even if it was, you know, both of them, they've, they've still got that evidence. Yeah, definitely. So next trial, that was pretty, That I mean, that was huge, wasn't it? Those people like outside selling t-shirts that said love hurts and there's like selling penis shaped candy and it was a massive deal in America and that year. But like not over here, like I'd, I'd before you'd sort of talked about it, I'd not heard of this case. I did. I don't know why it was in sort of my unconscious. It feels like it was, I don't know whether I've watched something and someone's joked about it because mm. it became sort of quite farcical, didn't it? Like it was yeah. always in, made jokes out of in TV shows and on late night talk shows and things. Yeah, there's so many like huge comedians that do routines about it in the second trial this was january 1994 yeah so not that long after the first one she gets charged with malicious wounding and they try to basically say that she knew exactly what she was doing that she was angry and that she always planned to do it and one of the things that they use against her is that when she has a police interview on the night of it she says this thing that just it sounds it doesn't sound good but like they use it a lot she said he always have orgasm and he doesn't wait for me ever to have orgasm he's selfish but she's obviously in shock ranting trying to justify her action she knows that she's done wrong but as well she's an immigrant as well like she doesn't have an amazing grasp of the english language as well so and i mean i'm betting there's not a there's not a female officer in there now if there was a case of domestic abuse i'm sure you'd have someone in there who was supporting you and you know to make sure that you weren't being railroaded by detectives yeah it's a totally different time as well the fact that marital rape is not really a thing says a lot about like that she probably went in there knowing she'd done something wrong and is trying to justify it and find find a bit of a way out and find sympathy for it and it's just she says something yeah and i think it's very telling that you know a lot of news reports and things referred to her as deranged and crazy and psychotic and it was this sort of oh she's had a moment of madness so she's got his penis off and that whole thing is like linked to her ethnicity as well like that she's this fiery latina and like yeah. it's actually quite like racist the way that they talk about her in, in the press there was a jury of seven women and five men and they found lorena not guilty I thought that was amazing. like Because I, I was sure that when I was reading it again, because I wasn't... Uh, although I'd heard that a woman had cut a guy's penis off, I wasn't sure of all the ins and outs. Mm. Um, so I th- assumed she'd been... Yeah. <laughs> I'd assumed she'd been found guilty. So it was quite surprised. Like, oh, she wasn't found guilty. Um, by reason of temporary insanity, though. <laughs> 
So there is that sort of ties with, you know, sort of losing it again. But she was, although she was found not guilty, she was sentenced to 45 days in a psychiatric, uh, to have a psychiatric evaluation. Yeah, which seems completely unfair given the fact that he didn't have to serve any time whatsoever, even though it wasn't his first time that he'd been arrested for something similar. Um, and because of all that, like, obviously we didn't hear that in the first trial, but the witness testimony about the things that he'd said about that he enjoyed, he enjoyed enjoyed it when women were scared basically like he enjoyed pinning them down and there's a whole stuff about how it's horrible to talk about but that he would force her to have anal sex with him and that he basically just got off completely free the fact that your friends would sort of say this you know against you he told his friends and like bragged to them that he would force his wife to have sex i know so that was i mean i mean if you got your mate saying that slagging you off and he also um, apparently forced her to have an abortion. So it's all these things that are adding up of this p- poor woman just being controlled. She went for her 35, 45 days um, to be evaluated, was deemed as not a threat to herself or the community, so it was released. She sort of goes into obscurity for a bit, doesn't she? She like she doesn't court the media at all, even though she has lots of offers because people want to talk to her. But yeah, so apparently she did paid things in her home country, but she would not take any anything paid in the US because she just didn't like. She was offered a million dollars for Playboy, and she didn't do it. Oh gosh, thank God she didn't do that. John though, he didn't go into a life of obscurity. No, he had quite the time. He did. Like I said, he went bankrupt, so he didn't have to pay his. I assume thousands and thousands of pound hospital bills. He went on a 40 day tour called, um, it was something, oh, I can't remember. It was like Stump John. And it's where people, oh, is this the fundraiser? No, you had to, he went to like different radio shows and their listeners rang in and told him a joke and they had to stump him. But it was obviously, see if he could guess the punchline of the joke. Oh. Yeah, it's atrocious, isn't it? So he did that. Apparently, he was signing steak knives and things on this publicity trail that he did. Speaking of complete dickens, I feel like we have to talk about Howard Stern, who's like not a character that I don't think like the British public know that much about, but in America he was like... He's like a shock jock. Yeah, he's massive and he's just horrible. He's such a horrible human being. So he invites John Wayne onto the onto his radio show several times and at one point he says, I don't even buy that he was raping her. She's not that great looking. Ugh. It almost feels like, I don't want to say I feel sorry for him, but it's like he's so oblivious to the people around him using him for like to make money off him do you know what I mean like yeah. not that I feel sorry for him but I do think he's sort of mm. oblivious yeah like, he thinks all this is like fun and like oh gosh it's so hilarious I'm on Howard Stern well it's amazing but he's not actually think. you know he's not thinking about I don't, a- any distance into the future yeah he's just not very bright is he like no. he's just there for all the fame and and the money that he can get and he anything that anyone suggests to him he just wants he'll do it no question Howard Stern does a telethon fundraiser for him uh, to try and raise money for him basically saying you know Lorraine has taken his manhood let's like help him out mm. and on this like telethon they have like you know like a, a money counter but instead of like a normal arrow showing like how much has been raised there's like this ridiculous veiny horrific penis counter thing mm. that like goes Woo! and it's just it's so childish imagine being the poor assistant who had to make that there's someone there's some poor person who's like interning at Howard Stern who's had to make that <laughs> like just a bit of papier mache <laughs> some chicken wire <laughs> i bloody love doing something like that not for obviously that cause but i do like um getting crafty he also made friends with ron jeremy he's not really i guess ugh, 
he's kind of like he's not Hugh Hefner but it's that kind of similar livelihood basically a poor person's poor person's Hugh Hefner that the equivalent and he got him into porn so he made the first film he made was John Wayne Bobbitt uncut lol and then Howard Stern paid for him to have a penis enlargement and lipo I mean why on earth you get lipo on your penis <laughs> so he had enlargement surgery and lipo on it and then starred in Frankenpenis because apparently it was awful there's a guy who owned like a brothel like a legal brothel I can't think something Hoff and he had John Wayne as a greeter oh I think it was the, it was the Bunny Ranch yes he as a, yeah as a greeter there yeah I assume this was sort of on the downturn of his fame and some of the girls saw his penis and said that it looked like a dented Red Bull can whoa I know I did not and in my head when I read that I was like I had then had to visualise what a dented Red Bull can looked like I mean oh, how many dents uh, a dented Red Bull can but like with a penisy exterior in like <laughs> yeah. a flesh fleshy coloured <laughs> you could get some more chicken wire and papier mache and do a model <laughs> This is exactly what it looked like. <laughs> it'd be like, it'd be like that line of Richie video. Which one? <laughs> You're gonna have to explain. It. The on. one where we hello. <laughs> Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. After, um, so this was like obviously in the 90s and into the noughties. Apparently, because when it all sort of died down, he was so horrified with his penis that he rang the plastic surgeon who originally did the nine and a half hour operation to put it back on and said, please, can you help me just put it back to normal? And he said, it's normal, about his penis. It's normal now. I don't want to mess with it. It's been through the ringer. And I think from this story, the dick is the thing that suffered the most this poor little penis again poor choice of words as well been through the the ringer ringer. yeah (laughs) i know bless him so he basically went into obscurity was in a car accident in 2014 and broke his neck (sighs) uh now he lives off his disability check and spends the majority of his time in the rocky mountains trying to find a treasure that an eccentric millionaire forrest fenn is rumored to have buried there god not even joking. It says that he spends the majority of his time doing that. I mean, some of the interviews now, like I was reading, someone went round and, did everyone remember Bob Ross? I know it was a big American. Oh, yeah. I love a bit of Bob Ross. Yeah, a bit of Bob Ross. If not, Google it, you'll know. And this interview went in and he was like, looked at this painting above his fireplace, lovely landscape. And um, John Wayne said, Bob Ross. And the interviewer was like, oh, wow. You know, I watched him when I was a kid. He went, oh, no, not the real Bob Ross, just a copy. Yeah. <laughs> Why the fuck? That's like me going to say Van Gogh. We can all do that. <laughs> yeah. He was literally teaching us all to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like beating the devil out of your Maybe he did it himself. <laughs> With his penis. <laughs> wow, that would make some money, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would, it would. The worst thing I think I read, though, was that... Because he, he goes on about like, oh, you know, I, I did love her. And if we'd spoken about things and she'd not cut my penis off, we might be together now and with kids. Shut up, mate. He said he tried to Facebook friend request her, but she never accepted. Yeah. He sends her Valentine's Day cards every year as well. <laughs> I mean... Can you? He's tapped. And like tells about how, how she's his true love. Well, don't do all those horrific things to someone if you love them. Don't sodomize your wife and then she maybe will love you back. Well, if she's not into it, you know what I mean. <laughs> not, not slagging out people who are into yeah, it. Yeah, what, if, what have you, if, as long as it's consensual, that's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be our tagline. As long as it's consensual. <laughs> 
One of the horrible things there, like in the years since the trial, he has been arrested a further five more times and convicted twice for domestic violence um, involving two different women. First was an incident with his girlfriend and the second was with his then wife. They do sort of talk about it a bit on the documentary. It sounds like a similar sort of situation, like the control and the the rape. Yeah, apparently tied tied one ex up in a bed in Niagara Falls. I assume not in the falls, just in in the place, Niagara Falls, in a room, and raped her repeatedly over several days. That's the thing to remember if you're ever feeling like, you know, he is a tragic character and like, oh, you know, he's had a bit of an up and down sort of life. It's very hard to have sympathy for him because of all the the atrocious way that he's treated people. And you just try and talk about how, like, growing up he had quite a difficult childhood, but it's not not an excuse. No, there's plenty of people that have had abusive childhoods and not um, done that. Exactly. So it it is one of those stories where, despite it being made into this um, basic a joke for everybody about this crazy wife who chops off her husband's penis it did actually help to bring about awareness of the marital rape thing and that that, that, that's not how we should in civilised society be treating women and not listening to them so it did give some women's rights groups the opportunity to really highlight this along with other stuff that was happening as well like obviously there was the OJ stuff going on at the same time yeah I think yeah I think you're right I think it really kick-started and became part of the discourse with regards to sort of violence against women. I mean, just the questions of like the fact that marital sexual assault wasn't a thing or it was like a new thing, whereas now, you know, and diminished responsibility. Sort of this was the 90s. This was before the hashtag Me Too movement. I mean, a lot of things you read and the documentary goes on about Anita Hill, which I don't know if that's as a British person, I wasn't a, that aware. And no, I knew I the name, aware. but I didn't know what it was in relation to. So I've looked into that and obviously that was to do with sexual harassment harassment of a of a woman called Anita Hill by a Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas he was called she accused him of sexual harassment so there was that the year in I think 1991 then there was Lorena and John Wayne then there was OJ who I mean got let off for the brutal murder of his wife and wife's boyfriend so it was all this sort of all adding to adding to this conversation on violence against women and that hadn't I don't think had been really discussed in the United States before in 1994 so the year of the trial, Congress actually passed the Violence Against Women Act. Not saying that's directly related to that, but it seems to be a movement or of its time. Yeah, because it was basically acknowledging that there was such a thing as PTSD and like they talk about the battered women syndrome. Lorena, someone who was hit and pushed and raped over and over again, got to a point where it was like, it was almost like a fight or flight response where she really did think that he was never going to leave her alone and that she was never going to be free of him it it was like a fight back against him and although she did stay out of the public eye when she did appear on talk shows and whatever she would always use it as a way to raise awareness and speak about domestic violence and also she launched a a charity called Lorena's Red Wagon to help domestic violence victims and their children I mean I think one of the things she says is that she I think it's Harvard she gets invited to talk at Harvard and she gets introduced as a celebrity and she says I'm not a celebrity I'm an advocate so 
I think that's the thing. She used this experience. Because that's the thing. It's one of those, they, they sort of both seem, it, it's just a horrendous, like, crazy story where both people, you sort of don't, you know, like, a lot of people for John John Wayne's case, they're like, oh, why did she take the Game Boy? Why did she do this? What she was stealing, she was planning on running away and she knew and all this. I think it was just two people, crazy circumstances, but she's used it for good. She's she's thought, right, she's not taking advantage of it in terms of money, in terms of using it for uh, porn or outrageous things. Whereas he took this opportunity, oh, it's hard to use the word opportunity, but he used it in a, the complete opposite way. Yeah, definitely. Like he would love to be called a celebrity. That was his goal, wasn't it? Um, and he achieved it for five minutes, but she actually was the one that ended up making the real difference. I mean, I think the one thing we take, one thing we take from this is nobody Google John Wayne Bobbitt porn. Oh God. Did you Google it? Yeah, because I just wanted, I think I just wanted to see like the title of the, you know, like the front cover sort of thing. Yeah. And I pressed yeah. images. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pressed images. Vile. That's worse than a body. Don't do it. I'm going to put it on a moon pig car for you. <laughs> oh God. Was it like a Red Bull can? I think it was someone giving him, like those women giving him oh, blowjob and things. And I didn't really see it. Didn't really look. But I mean, I don't know. It's just one of those things that like, he's not even got into it because he's good. Like a good porn. <laughs> I, I don't really know. I'm, I'm, I'm off topic here. I don't know what I'm talking about. It says, but I'm not a porn expert. But do you know what I mean? He's got that break that other people would kill for. Or he's got made, or he made all this money, but actually he's lost it all now. He literally lives off his disability check. He has no money. And just the fact that he made a career out of something so yeah he made a career out of abuse that says something really awful about like that sort of tabloid culture doesn't it that that happened and hopefully it wouldn't happen today but who knows yeah we'll see the next time someone chops off someone's penis we've all been there we've always cut someone's knob off let's be honest feed it to the ducks (laughs) i've got at least two exes that i would happily cut their knob off What would you recommend, like, if people want to know more about this whole crazy story? I would definitely say go and watch that documentary. It's on Amazon Prime. It's just called Lorena. It's really good. Yeah, and it's exec produced by Jordan Peele, who is famous for the Us and Get Out, Get Out and everything. So it's very well made. It's not any of the trash that I usually enjoy. It is one of those situations again where, like, it's probably about an episode too long. All these docu- like glossy documentaries that that's all true crime. I think though, where it's dragged out just a bit too. Long. Apart from Tiger King. Oh yeah, that's just a perfect amount. Could do with more. I mean, if you just Google it, I mean, don't Google the porn. Don't do an image search. <laughs> yeah, don't do an image search. Keep on image, Google images. But if you just Google, I mean, there's so many articles about it and this is like, what, 25 years later now? So it's, there's loads of, loads of articles that have revisited and it's a much bigger focus on domestic violence. I read a really good article on Vanity Fair that was called Lorena Bobbitt's American Dream. So it's all about sort of where she is now and about how this perpetual sort of myth of the American dream sort of led her to where she was and what it is now and it sort of relates it to sort of Trump's America and it's really quite interesting and I think any sort of long form article like that really fascinating maybe trying to avoid like the dross like Daily Mail because there was quite a few articles where it was just sort of the sensationalism which is again what a lot of the articles were back in the day whereas now it's maybe a bit better to focus on the sort of the deeper meaning yeah I would just say as well the Huffington Post article that also inspired the documentary called Lorena Bobbitt is done being your punchline. So that's the story of Lorena and John Wayne Bobbitt. Thank you very much for listening to our first podcast. Um, Bear with us, we're still trying to get used to, um, for one, doing this in lockdown. And the tech. 
and the tech <laughs> jesus christ um yeah we'll be back soon hopefully um if you don't mind clicking the subscribe button that will be lovely leave us a rating we'd love that too um and we'll speak to you soon goodbye Bye.